And in music news, number one on the college charts this summer was Better Than Ezra. And at number two, Ezra. <laughs> Welcome to Meeting Malcolmus, a pavement podcast. Hey, it's JD here, back for another week of throwing the old pigskin down the gridiron that is the catalog of Seminole Lady Rock Band Pavement as we look to gain yards and move the chains. <laughs> unlocking just why this goddamn band is so good you know it was a short period of time 10 years is not that long we got five records we got a shit ton of b-sides but uh the and 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 i know we we have sm solo and with the jicks but you know, there's something about this collection of characters. You know, the relationship between Stephen and Scott, whatever whatever state that is in and ever was. And, you know, you've got a fan of the band that has now busted his chops with Sonic Youth in Mark Eibold. You've got Steve West, who happens to be childhood friends with Bob Nastanovich, and the tandem represent the, you know, backbone of this band. And then the ever enigmatic SM. This collection, this Motley crew if you will. Um, you know, did made some magic and that's, that's what we're here celebrating week over week. Chronologically. I am uncool, underqualified to be doing this, but here I am, you know, just a few episodes away from putting this bitch to bed. I'm a little out of sorts this week, folks. Off the top, you heard Norm MacDonald tell a joke. One of my favorites. <laughs> uh, he passed away today. And uh, I had an episode prepared, but I deleted it and decided to, uh, fuck it, we'll do it live. And uh, just you know, get this to you ASAP um, because I missed my cutoff for yesterday. Anyway, I was going to send it out. So here we are normless. And that's uh, a terrible place to be. It's a terrible place to be. 
It's an unfunny. You know, the world just got unfunnier. So rest in peace, Norm MacDonald. Fuck. This is like my whole 20s are being torn at the seams, you know, doing this show, getting to know several of you and uh, making some friends. And, um, you know, it's almost done. And the, the show is based upon, you know, my favorite band who are also done, which is what I was talking about off the top. 10 years. That's all we got. And then now to lose, you know, Norm, who was on SNL my four undergraduate years. And, you know, I I continue to watch SNL and I watched it before, but there was nothing like watching it in university because it was social. You were watching it with other people. And so you got to do this stuff right away. High school was different. High school, you would show up on Monday and you'd be like, swing, you know, or whatever. Um, whatever the catchphrase of the weekend was, you know, and you would all be fighting with your buddies to do the joke, but, um, but, uh, university, you're in the room. Sometimes you, you know, had a couple pops and, uh, it was, it was just different, you know? So I feel like that's, that's, uh, I'm really thinking about that today, which is making me think about pavement in a different way today. And, um, you know, so I'm a, I'm a, you know, I'm not nostalgic, but man, did I ever used to be a little joke for you. Um, this week I bought a whole lot of tickets to go see some shows in Europe. Um, yeah, I bought three, uh, Edinburgh, Manchester, and the second night in London. Love to fucking get my hands on a first night ticket. If any of you are going or any of you know somebody that's got a spare, hit me up. JD at meetingmalchemist.com. I always love to hear from you. It's real cool hearing from you. In fact, there's another, you know, nostalgic thing to all this too, is, um, this is the closest thing I've done to radio since I did radio. Go with me here. Years ago, I got a job, uh, my first, writing job was um, writing for this variety show uh, that was on a radio that was on the radio daily. And uh, I was a writing assistant and 
it was, you know, a lot of fun, really cool. And what made it extra cool was that prior to that, I'd always wanted to be in radio. I always dreamed of it, you know? College radio, when I was in university, for sure, I would have loved to have had a show. My, I mean, my biggest problem is, is I don't know what kind of show it would be because I am so wildly obsessive about bands that I miss out on a million other bands, you know, um, and I have no memory for music the way I did prior to having electroconvulsive therapy. Um, it erased a part of my brain and it erased a part of my ability to make new memories in a good way. So that's pretty fucked. But where I'm going with this is I always, you know, love that idea of radio and in, you know, performance. Uh, and I've always sought uh, a canvas and um this was uh this has been my canvas you know uh to a degree telling you a story while well, first getting comfortable with you then letting you in a little bit and uh now you know i can fucking talk your ear off and you know you well maybe you fast forward all this <laughs> I, I i no no issues if you don't or if you do, no issues. Um, yeah. I mean, fuck. <laughs> yeah. So a lot of this stuff is, is, uh, is just making me nostalgic. And nostalgia is a weird thing. It's a weird thing that makes you think weird things. Cream of gold is what we're going to talk about today. And before we get into any discussion of said song, the fourth track on Terror Twilight, Pavement's fifth long play. Why don't we give a listen to a real cool live version from Coachella in, uh, fuck, when would that have been? Uh, 2009, 2010, 2009 or 2010, 10 years ago, 11 years ago. Fuck, man. Like, I'm already, I'm already thinking right now, like, shit. I'm going to go see this band a whack of times this tour. And then I'm going to have to wait 10 years to see them again. <laughs> Potentially. I can't wait 10 years. I might not make it 10 years. God damn. Anyway, this is from uh, Coachella. Give it a listen. This is cream of gold on meeting Malcolmus, a pavement podcast. Let's move on to our next cream one. Of gold.
Hey, JD, didn't you say that was a really cool version of Cream of Gold when you uh, punched it out? Yeah, okay. Maybe I did. Maybe I did. <laughs> Hear me out. Are you a fan of Bob Nostanovich? Because if you are, this version fucking kicks your ass. It It totally does. I mean... You have sympathy for SM, you know, you can just hear his voice crying out in pain as he gets to the uh, lead up to the chorus. Um, but there's a nice jam out at the end and, you know, um, Bob competing with uh, Steve West, um, you know, with his sound effect and, and Steve's doing his drum rolls there. That's great. <laughs> it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. And my mistake, that's from 99. 
That's from the 99 Coachella. Uh, unless the YouTube is mislabeled. Um, God, I do the bare minimum research. Let me pull this up. Hold on. Hold on. 1999 Coachella. Wow, it lost millions of dollars and started an empire. Um, you know what's really terrible about uh, about doing this is um, there are a lot of people right now going fuck, fuck. How do you not know this? <sighs> you know, and to, to them, I say, um, fair. That's fair. You know, that's fair. And I, I really don't see that. I, I thought I could have sworn it was 2009 they, they played. Um, but I, I don't even see. Yeah. Reunions of Faith the More and Pavement. Yeah, I'm positive. Somebody help me out here. JD at MediumAlchemist.com. This is fucking killing me. You're killing me. You're killing me. Okay. Um, let's listen to the studio version. Let's uh, cleanse our palates. As it were. Again, though, I don't hate that version. Um, and it's cool. Okay, it's cool for a number of reasons. Um it's cool because uh, I didn't play it for you. I cut it off the beginning is it's the first song um, and it's gold sounds and they're playing gold sounds and they get to the, the first chorus and SM cuts it off and he's like, I can't do this. I can't do it. And he, he's using a capo and everything. Um, I'm pretty sure off the top he says uh, that he's putting this on like a seatbelt. And, uh, yeah. So uh, they stop, and then they go, all right. And he calls it out, and he's like, all right, guys, cream of gold. And then they start playing it. Uh, actually, I, I left that in, where they're like, next, next one. Um, yeah. And it starts out fine, but it's just as he gets, like, like, Seven eighths of the verse is is great, and then it gets to the the last eighth, and then the chorus, and he's just struggling. But um, yeah, I think it's cool because it's historic in that in that sense, right? If it was played uh, in the two thousand nine um, reunion, then that's historic. You know, <laughs> this band gets back together. People paid hundreds of dollars for tickets, sat out in the desert. And um, didn't didn't get what they were looking for. I'll tell you what. I saw them in Central Park, and it was fucking amazing. It was amazing. It was. Um, I don't even know if I've told you this story, but I bought my tickets to. Uh, they played in two thousand and nine. No, they played two thousand ten. So they announced. That's what it was. They announced we're playing four shows in Central Park. This is our reunion. And it was like, whoa, holy shit. I got to go to one of these shows. I should have went to all of them, but 
Uh, I was a poor, poor man then. And uh, good looks will only get you so far. <laughs> um, but uh, they played in 2000, September in 2010. And the tickets went on sale September 17th, 2009, the day my daughter was born. In fact, I bought them about an hour before my wife and I left for the hospital. You know, like it was like, fuck, I got to get these tickets. Um, so, yeah. I guess actually it would have been September 16th they were on sale. So there you go. The day before my daughter was born. Um, they went on sale at midnight, I think. Something like that. Anyway. I digress. Let's listen to the studio version. This is Cream of Gold on Medium Alchemist, a pavement podcast.
great. Man. That is, um, it's interesting, right? We listened to the Coachella version and it was, it was like whimsical, you know? Um, yeah, that's how I'll describe it. It, it was whims- whimsical. But the studio version is so ominous and dark foreboding like it's 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 a frightening place and god this song has a groove that um you know that main riff is wonderful but that but that uh that groove that steve and mark and bob have going is just fucking great and um yeah. Uh, lots of nice little uh, textural accents. Um, you know, for example, as the song begins, there is like a, a beeping sound that is going up in pitch. Uh, and then it sort of goes away. But, uh, you know, when it hits a certain point, it never gets irritating or anything like that. But it's just sort of there in the right channel. And, um, and, you know, you definitely hear it during the, uh, the outro, which, um, you know, long and jammy, hmm, shades of what's to come, uh, long and jammy outros. Um, God, yeah, this is, a. It's a it's a tough one to wrap my head around lyrically. Uh, so I had reached out on Reddit and Facebook, maybe or Twitter or something. Um, you know, like, hey man, uh, anybody have any cream of gold, you know, stories or whatever? And I got one or res- I got a couple of responses, um, but one of them. Literally, I got two responses. <laughs> two. Uh, boo, you guys. Boo. That's a... Uh, yeah, whatever. Anyway, um, yeah, I got two responses. And they were both great. But there was this one that was like about a, a spider dreaming in beige. Uh, somewhere he had read, or they had read, that, um, you know, a spider dreams in beige. And that got me thinking, you know, the pinprick on the knee. And, you know, then dying from the venom and, um, you know, and then, and then the spider, you know, time is one, um, uh, the victim is, is singing the first part of the chorus and then the spider is, you know, singing the rest, I, I suppose in that case, you know, and then it takes you through the afterlife. I think that's really cool and it you know it's uh fuck it like i don't know how a scientist or a doctor or whatever could tell that a spider dreams is beige <laughs> like if somebody has verified that um that is fascinating you know should i verify it oh okay let me take a look here 
Yeah, I, I see. I prefer stories that over you know little facts. Uh, do spiders dream in BG? You know, it doesn't finish it. So, no. First hit is uh, what does it mean if you dream about spiders? Oh, here's one. Do spiders dream? Uh, nothing real. No. This is fucking entertaining. Especially if one of you is like a fucking spider expert and you're over there going, fuck! Fuck! JD! Yes, spiders dreaming beige, you idiot! <laughs> I don't know. Um, for me, I see it as this mundane, you know, sort of person who, uh, even when they, you know, even when they die, um, even when they die, it's like a pinprick on their knee, you know, like it's, yeah, it's, uh, you know, the, he's talking a big game with the, with the venom or whatever, but, um, you know, I, I just think that's, you know, sort of cool. And then it's, it's him, you know, singing the entire chorus. Um, and that to me is, uh, you know, sort of a fun, I don't know, like a fun take on it. Right. Because then you can go from there, you go to the second verse which is again them ambling through the afterlife. Um, the afterlife is steep. We wander and retreat, and everyone is after us. Skirt. Wow. Hold on. Why am I? I was getting lost in the um, in just the way this is written. Reading it more like a poem. Uh, dis, you know, disregarding the. Um, syllabic needs <laughs> you know the afterlife is steep we wander and retreat and everyone is it's hard not to sing this shit sometimes gosh that's hard yeah and then keep an arrow trained on their conflicted minds because they stutter what a great lyric but uh but we don't get a whole we don't get, oh, uh, you know, a whole lot more. We get um, really no more of that story because we go back to the chorus, um, which is, a, I guess it's a little different. Um, it's got time tired, you're tainted through, wind songs and substitutes. And then I dream beige, why'd you leave me so far down now? No, uh, I dream in beige, why'd you leave me so far now? And then I bleed in beige. Why'd you leave me so far now? So, you know, it's a little different. Um, somebody bleeding in beige. God, to me, that's just the most boring person ever. Like dreaming in beige. I have, uh, I have a cousin who had a roommate who was very boring. And my cousin used to say that, that his roommate had dreams of reading the newspaper. And I always thought that was really funny. Um, but dreaming in beige, equally boring. Like this is, this is just boring shit to me. 
that's very base. I'm very base. I like stories and I'm very base, you know? Um, yeah, that's as intellectual as I get today. Really? Huh? Yeah, bleeding and beige. Oof. It's a it's a great song. It's a great song. You see, you start to deconstruct this record that is, you know, uh, to to a degree maligned. Um, or is it? Hmm. Here's a question for you: Is it maligned, or or? Oh my god! I totally forget what I was going to say. Is it maligned? No, it's gone. It's fucking gone. <laughs> Holy shit! Uh, I wonder how much editing I'm going to do. <laughs> Um, I prefer to give it, give it to you real there. There will be very little editing. Uh, I assure you. Um, I don't mind if I sound stupid because guess what? I'm, I'm fucking stupid, man. <laughs> you know, that Alice Cooper song. Yeah. He was talking to me and, uh, that's, you know, that's how it goes sometimes. So, um is is the record maligned or isn't it i i guess is the is the opposite you know have i got it wrong is is oh here it is is the record maligned or does it is is it perceived to be a line a maligned because it's often rated fifth, you know, but the band only did five, five records. Um, uh, like I, I bet if we did a, um, maybe I'll, I'll do some polling, you know, on Twitter and stuff like that afterwards, if anybody wants to participate, but, uh, I would, cause I would love to know, like, Favorite favorite records, you know, um, like a, a sort of definitive list, uh, but but break it down by you know percentages and who's, you know, um, like I I would want to know how many number five votes Terror Twilight gets, but when you deconstruct this shit. Should it have just been a five-way tie? Is that it? I mean, the EPs are there. We covered the EPs. We talked about the EPs. And, um, you know, there's some, there's some meat. There's some meat on those bones. But uh, you have to do some work. But the five, you know, the, 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 the oeuvre, the the pavement oeuvre, the pavement canon, are those five records as they were orig originally released. As much as we'd love to say canon should be every fucking thing they release, that's just you, that can't be canon. Canon can't be everything. Or, or do we make an exception? Do we make an exception and say 
that every piece of material they produced is canon. Or wait, wait, wait. Because there's probably somebody out there who really understands the meaning of the word canon who's like, you fucking idiot. Canon. <laughs> that is all the collected works. Okay. All right. I guess I mean the Hall of Fame canon then. Or, you know, well, Mount Rushmore would only be four. But yeah, the Hall of Fame canon. Boom. There you go. Five records. That's what it should be. And um, I think this band sounds very different than we've ever heard them. And, um, you know, while they were on the trajectory that they were on, I would have loved at least one more record just to see what, just to see what was next. Do we get another Wowie? I think we might've, I think that's, I think that's the direction they would have went. They would have went, let's just, you know, that last record was, was, as corporate as we're going to be in that, um, you know, the record costs a lot of money. <laughs> it, it would have cost a lot. Uh, they, they used, you know, fancy studios and, you know, part of it was, was, uh, done in London, you know, so that, that just costs more. Um, you could, you could argue, Godrich, but he worked for free and they had worked with Bryce Goggins and Mitch Easter. I mean, they'd worked with good producers before. Uh, Gary Young, hello. You know, so there's that. Last thing I can say about uh, Cream of Gold, funny enough, is the first thing that you say about Cream of Gold, which is the title of the song, Cream of Gold. Why is it called cream of gold? Cream of gold sounds. uh, There's something about that phrase that sounds inviting and mysterious and like that. You, you want to find out more about this thing or person, which is the complete opposite of I dream in beige uh, and I bleed in beige. You know, um, and if there's a doctor out there that is like, fuck, fuck. When people bleed in beige, this is what happens. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, yeah. Anyway, uh, cream of gold. Good song, right? Let me know what you think. JD at meetingmalchemist.com. That's what I got for you this week. It has been another long one, and I'm sorry for that. Uh, Thanks for sticking around. Talk to you real soon. Wash those goddamn hands. That's my Clint Eastwood for you. Wash those goddamn hands. Should probably be slower. Wash those goddamn hands. To me, that sounds like Clint Eastwood. I I sound like a fucking sure thing. But uh, who who knows? Anyway, be good. Talk to you. Meeting Malcolmus, a pavement podcast, is a weekly affair. Connect with JD at JD at meetingmalcolmus.com.
meetingmalchemist.com. Please support the pod by rating, reviewing, or sponsoring us at meetingmalchemist.com. And hey, I'm social. Follow me on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook at meetingmalchemist.